through the word that can kind of fill in for a little bit. Not all the way, just a little bit. So um, the title of this message is going to be called Be Watching and Not Waiting. So when I grew up, I grew up in church, didn't really, I had a head knowledge, I didn't really believe it. I kind of went through the motions, said prayers, did things like that, but there was, there was no substance to it. And then it came a time where I was actually in this church and I heard different messages and they spoke to me, but it didn't really, didn't really stick. First, I grew up from a whole different type of background, so it was crazy enough when I saw people clapping in church. So that definitely didn't stick. But it got to the point where there was a message that pastor preached on about the rapture. And I've never heard about the rapture ever in my life at that point. And it spoke to me in a way where it wasn't a, a fear of, man, if I don't make it, I'm going to be in the go through the tribulation period and everything that goes along with that, it was something different where it was like, whoa, there's something else out there that, that I could be a part of. And the Bible calls it the blessed hope. So one thing I want to read through the word of God is just about that blessed hope and how we need to be watching and not waiting. We know that we're living in a time that the Bible calls the last days. We touched on some of that last Wednesday. If you can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, we'll begin in there. Say amen when you get there, please. Y'all are faster than me and I have it marked. So we're in Matthew 24, beginning in verse 32. It says, now learn this parable from the fig tree when its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also know when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So as we talked about last week, the fig tree is a symbol of Israel. And Israel came back into becoming a nation in 1948. And the Bible later on says that no generation will pass once they see that sign. And we know that happened in 1948. And if you read in Psalm 90, verse 10, a generation is 70 years. And under certain circumstances, it could be 80. So we could look at this, this sign of 1948 and feel like, okay, well, the Lord could be coming soon. He could come this year. He could come next year. He could come in the next 10 or the next 20 or whatever the case may be. We know that we're in the end times as far as the Bible's concerned. Dear Lord Jesus, I just pray that you will just speak to our hearts this evening, Lord Jesus. I pray that your word will just speak to us, Lord God. I pray that nobody will leave this place the same way they came in. I pray that you will arrest our minds and allow us to focus on you. We give you all the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll begin in Second Peter, but before we get there, we're going to take a little history lesson, beginning in Matthew chapter 16. So before we get into 2 Peter, we're going to talk a little more about Peter and, and his, his background and the reason why he kind of thinks the way he does in certain situations, and it'll, it'll make sense as we go on. But as you go into Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 28, 
Jesus is talking to the disciples and telling them the importance of denying themselves and taking up their cross and following him. In verse 28, it says at the end of that message, Jesus said, Surely I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So when he was talking to the disciples at that time, a lot of them were didn't really know what that meant. That A lot of them took it as, well, at least one of us is going to be here when Jesus returns. So that, that created a, an, uh, an anxiety where you, didn't, you never know when Jesus could come back. Because at that point in time, all the disciples were still alive. So if we go quickly to John 21, we'll see that Jesus also says, when Peter asked him, he said in verse 21, Peter seeing him said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that the disciples would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? So basically there's a time where the apostles were together and Jesus was, was preaching to them. And, and Peter was asking, well, will somebody be alive when you return? And, and he looked at John, and, and the early church took it as, well, John will be alive when Jesus comes back. But what Jesus was actually saying was that he would, he would get to see his second coming, but in a vision. That's how we know that John wrote Revelation. He wasn't physically there, but he saw it in a vision. But the early church took that as Jesus might come back before they pass away. So as we begin in Second Peter it's all going to make a little more sense. It won't sound like rambling. Say amen when you get there, please. Second Peter chapter 1. So in my Bible, above verse 12, it says, Peter's approaching death. So at this time, for those of us that don't know, all the apostles except for John were all martyred. They all died for their faith. So as it says, Peter's approaching death, and he already wrote First Peter, and now this is Second Peter, but he felt an urgency to get a, a point across. And he says in verse 16, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. If you move on to Second Peter chapter 3. It says, Beloved, beginning in verse 1, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by the way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So as the apostles began to die and people were thinking that some of them were going to be around when Jesus would return, people even in the church started to lose faith. And it's kind of like what we're talking about with watching and not waiting. A lot of times we get excited and we think the Lord could come back soon, the Lord could come back soon. We're watching for all the signs, we're reading, we're excited and then it gets to the point where, okay, maybe he didn't come when I thought he would. Or maybe bills come up or things come up and my faith that Jesse was just talking about at the prayer begins to waver a little bit. 
And now our watching turns into waiting. When we're watching, we're actively looking for something. We're focused on something. When we're waiting, we're taking things as it comes. And when we take things as it comes, we're in a vulnerable position. As we go to 2 Timothy, we'll look into that a little more. And as we read these verses, let's remember that he's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. So when he was saying scoffers would come, he was talking about those in the church. He wouldn't have to say scoffers because non-believers never believed. So he's, they're not going to say, where is Jesus is coming? They never believed in the first place. So we have to check our hearts and, and be guarded about the people we're around and the things we're a part of to where we can't fall vulnerable to those things. So beginning in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, but know this in verse 1, in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins and led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So these are the times we're living in. A lot of times you can look at it and say, oh, well, people have been disrespectful. People have been without self-control. But we're at a point in history where it's, it's raised to a whole nother level. And we also have to look at it as he's talking to the church. He's not talking to society or the world. So if he's talking to the church, that means these things are going to start happening. And if our eyes are open and we're paying attention, we're beginning to see those things. So I'm going to get into a couple of those points. So as far as perilous times, here's a little stat. In 1970, the average amount of natural disasters that were reported was 78 in a year. In 2004, this number jumped to 348. From 1980 to 2009, there was an 80% increase in the growth of climate-related disasters. As far as lovers of themselves, social scientists said that narcissism has become a modern-day epidemic and has continued with, with the change in society's values. On average, there's 936 million users on Facebook every day. And some in the church today are so in love with our lives that we'd rather wait for Jesus to hold off. We'd rather wait for him to tarry. We'd rather wait for us to accomplish some of our own personal goals or, or maybe we had plans with work or plans with family or trips we wanted to go on. And, and if we're at the point now where we're not looking for Jesus' return, we have to look in the mirror. Pastor told us one time in discipleship, and he challenged us, he said, if Jesus wasn't going to be in heaven, would you still want to go? And he said, you might get that in a couple days. And I feel like I got about 70% of it at that moment. But I think I got the rest like three days later. 
and it really hit me. It was like, if, if Jesus isn't there or if we're longing for something and Jesus isn't involved, we're just looking for a vacation. If we're viewing heaven as a vacation or something where, well, I don't have to worry about anything and, and Jesus isn't even involved in it, then we have to check our motives. And we have to check our, are we so in love with the things in this world? And these things don't even have to be bad. There's nothing wrong with family. There's nothing wrong with loving your job. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But if it has a hold of us more than us looking for Jesus, then we have to check our priorities. In 2 Timothy, you don't have to go there. Chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So there's a crown that's coming for us if we truly are looking and we are loving the appearing of the Lord. As we get into another topic that was discussed as far as perilous times, it says covetous. Before 1970, the divorce rate was uncommon. Now it's, a 50, it's at a 50% rate and it's over 30% in the church. And that was according to a study in 2014. And all the numbers are only rising. So when we look at those things, we can, we can put it off to the side and say, well, this is no different than it was 50 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. But the stats are showing it's something completely different. We're entering a phase that we've never seen before in human history. And it's not to scare us. It's just to, for us to be aware. There's nothing worse than somebody being on a train track and you see a train coming, but you're just going to look the other way and somebody's stuck and you don't say anything. We're called to speak up and to speak out. So if we, if we know what's coming, we can't hold that to ourselves. People aren't going to believe just like when, regardless of anything, you, you can tell somebody about Jesus and how he's changed your life. And someone's either going to say, oh, wow, I can see that, I believe that, or someone's going to reject it as a phase. We're not, we don't have the power to change people's hearts. We don't have the power to change people's minds, but we can tell people. As we continue on, we have to make sure that we're sold out all the way, all the way. From the things that we listen to, the things that we watch, the things that we're, we're feeding our spirit, we can't sit here and, and call ourselves Christians off the things we say. In the Bible times, people knew who Christians were. They weren't self-proclaimed. They were, you could tell it. You could see it, the fruit in their lives. And we can't call ourselves Christian if we're feeding ourselves things that are in direct contrast with the Bible. If I'm watching things that are in direct contrast with what I'm supposed to believe, how can I call myself a Christian? And it's not saying that you aren't. Sometimes there's some things we just don't know. But at the same time, at the times that we're living in, we have to make sure we're ready. And off the things I just read as far as blasphemers, disobedient, unthankful, unholy, unloving, without self-control, these are things talking about the church. If, if this was a verse talking about society, then we could all sit back and say, well, who knows? Who knows if Jesus is coming anytime soon? But we're seeing these things more prevalent and prevalent within the church. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, say amen when you get there. We'll just read a couple verses. Jesus' words, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate 
and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And as we look at our lives and we're looking at what am I feeding myself? Am I doing what the world is doing? Am I doing what society is doing? Am I going through that broad way? Or, is, or am I on a path that's narrow? Am I, am, I focused? Am, I, am I focused on Jesus? Or am I getting distracted by these things and those things and these things? At the end of the day, Jesus has to be first. And we can say, well, I'm, in a ch- I'm at church. It's Wednesday night. I could be doing other things. Jesus is always first. But it's a heart issue. We can always do things because we feel like that's the right thing to do. We're all kids at one point in time, and we would say things and do things with our parents when we know we didn't mean it. I can think of many times when I was in that situation where <laughs> well, I definitely didn't mean it, but with parents, you want to say whatever is going to make them happy. Let's say it was something that, especially at Christmas time, whenever you might get a a new outfit as a kid and you got to put that smile on your face like you like it, even though you're just thinking, where can I hide this in my closet or how quick can I throw this under my bed? I hope my mom wasn't paying attention to that part. But those are things that happen as, as kids and we can be the same way with God. We can get to the point where we feel like, well, I'm going to say all the prayers. I'm going to go to church. I'll go to all the discipleships, but are we doing it? with that same attitude of loving his appearing. If we're truly loving his appearing, if we're loving the fact that we can have an opportunity to be with Jesus and possibly even sometime soon, then our attitude wouldn't be that way. It's an attitude of, of waiting. And as we look at, at the word waiting, I, I went into the definitions of watching and waiting. So when we wait, it's something that's, something that's passive, something that you're just, you're just waiting, you're just buying time. You're buying time, and an idle mind is, is the devil's playground. But when we're truly watching and searching and seeking, we're looking for something specific. That doesn't mean that we have things at work and family. Those things are great, but we're still focused on something specific. Everything else is under here. But if we get to the point where, okay, Jesus is here today and work is here that day and family's here that day, my friends are here that day, then we're going to be distracted and we can miss out. The Bible also says, and as we go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, it says, fight the good fight of faith. We're called to be fighters. Faith takes fight. The definition of, of weight is, like I was saying earlier, is to delay action until a particular time or until something else happens. Christians that are looking and putting their guard down begin to flirt with the things of this world and will be caught off guard by the rapture or could possibly miss it. We have to lay hold on eternal life, as the verse continues to say, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Verse 14, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. And as we look at these at these chapters and these verses, this is Paul. Paul wrote numerous verses in Corinthians and Thessalonians and 1 Timothy, and he was always talking about Jesus appearing. He didn't always talk about, well, what could happen if we don't 
make it or if we're he's not we're not concerned about if we don't make it because we all know that we want to make it for Christ. And the Bible just outlines us things to look out for. If we start to get weary, these are the signs that we can check ourselves with. We have, as we read these verses and we look at, okay, disobedient to parents, unthankful. I don't do that. I don't do that. Well, we should probably go through this whole chapter and just examine ourselves like the Bible says. Do, am I doing this? Am I doing that? Do I have moments where I'm proud? Do I have moments where I'm boastful? Do I have moments where I become a lover of money and my priorities aren't in order? All this is is a checklist, but we have to receive it with the right heart. If we look at it as, oh, the Bible doesn't want me to do this or the Bible doesn't want me to do that, then our hearts are in the wrong place. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we look at the definition of look, it's to direct one's gaze towards someone or something or in a specified direction. We can't be looking for Christ if our priorities are out of order. We can't get weighed down with this life. If you're taking notes, I won't read it for time. Write down Colossians 2, verses 6 to 9, and also write down Romans 12. I'm going to keep it very short today so we can have time to pray, because I feel like the times we're living in, it's literally day-to-day is something different. Every day. If you, you don't even have to, to worry about the fake news that CNN is going to tell you, you can just look in the Bible and see, wow, this is happening. This is happening. And it's, and it's almost to the point where I had to catch myself. I was looking at one news station, and, and I catch myself looking every couple of hours, and it's something different. It used to be every week or so or maybe a month or so, something new going on that is relate that's in the Bible as far as signs in the times. And a lot of times we have to look at things that are going on in the Middle East because that's where the majority of this Bible is centered out of. And as we look, we see, just like we talked last week about ISIS attacking in Iran, something that's never happened before. And we look at countries aligned that have never been aligned before, and it's like there's something different about this day and age that we're living in. And it's not anything to scare us. It's, if anything, it's something to excite us. And, and, and these are signs not to say, hey, you better get right or else. It's a sign to say, hey, these things are happening. So I'm giving you time to prepare. I'm giving you time to get your house in order. So as we're going to close in Revelation chapter 2, it says to the angel of the church of Ephesus, and we can put ourselves in, in these shoes for these verses. It says, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven gold lampstands. These words are written in red, so if you don't have your Bible, this is coming from Jesus. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. You may look at that and say, well, that's, that's me. I'm trying to turn away from what's evil. I know what's right from wrong. And then it also says, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. 
Maybe you've been in a place where you weren't getting the sound doctrine or correct teaching and you decided, you know what, I'm going to go somewhere else or I'm going to go study the word for myself. Those are all good things. And it also says, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. These are all good things. We want to be in this place where the Lord can see our lives and saying, you know what, you've labored, you've sacrificed, you've given your life for me. You weren't, you didn't always choose the popular route. You didn't always choose what everybody else was doing, but you sacrificed for me. But Jesus also says this, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So it goes back to the same idea of this is as I'm reading the first four verses, I, I see characteristics of someone who's on fire for God. And then the last verse, I see somebody who who started to relax a little bit. Somebody who, who instead of watching, started to wait and just wanted to kill time. And then they lost their first love. But Jesus is, again, asking us to repent. None of us is perfect. I'm definitely not perfect. And there's things in this message as I was praying and the Lord was giving me things. This, was, this is something for me. Because I know there was moments where I was... Psh, completely on fire as far as, man, I got to, I got to make sure I'm, I'm doing this and doing that and, and getting right. Cause Jesus could come at any moment. And then I got to the point where, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm a, I know I'm supposed to do that. He hasn't come yet, but once I see that he's really, really about to come, then I'll, I'll pick it up. And that's not the attitude we're supposed to have. It's not the attitude we're supposed to have. There's not a a light switch we can flip on and say, guess what? Jesus is coming in two days. Let's take it to another level with our walk. Doesn't doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that in life. Definitely doesn't work like that in sports. Kind of get frustrated with some of my teams because they think that way. They can just flip a switch and everything just, just changes. But you have to prepare. You always have to prepare. And in Revelation verse Chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. Musicians, you can come forward. It says, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. And as we go back over those verses before we close it out. It says, because you have kept my command to persevere. It means there's something we're keeping. That means there's an action behind it. We're not just sitting and taking life as it comes day to day. But we're choosing. Just as the word said earlier that we have to fight the good fight of faith. That means there's an action behind it. That means when the enemy is telling us things that we don't, we can't just cower down or or fall to what the enemy tells us. The Bible says there's no weapon formed against us that can prosper. There's so many ways that in these days that we're living in that that we'll, something bad will happen at work. Something bad will happen in our family and it's just the enemy attacking us. I'll never forget the first service we had this year in, 
and Dwayne at the prayer was just saying that this year is going to be a year that we're going to have to fight like never before. And I've seen it in all aspects of my life. I've seen it in, in work. I've seen it in my marriage as my wife had a miscarriage in January and the enemy tried everything he could do to steal our joy. But God has bigger plans. And God has taken that whole crazy situation and now she's pregnant again in a short period of time. But that's not, it's not even, it's not even about me. It's just about what's going on. We all have similar stories in our own lives that we've seen where the enemy has tried to turn a situation that was good into bad, but it's up to us to stay focused on Jesus and not look around to the left or to the right. That's where it goes back to staying on that narrow gate. When we get to the point where the enemy begins to attack us and we're going through the broad way, we have no hope. It's almost like a, I heard a story one time where you have a, a group of people and you're just a follower. So you're just following the lead of everybody else. And you're in a crowd of people, but you don't know at the edge of that group, there's a cliff. And everybody's just jumping off. And you're so caught up that you're in the middle of it that by the time you find out, you can't move back. And in our walk, we can't be like that to where we see, okay, well, they're doing it. I know the Bible said this, but I haven't really seen God move as quick as I wanted to, so I'm gonna do what they're doing. And before you know, you end up on a path that you don't wanna be on. But Jesus tells us that if we could keep his command to persevere, he promises us he promises us that he will keep us from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world. And we can get to a point where we say, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if, if Jesus is really going to do it like that. It's what his word says. It's not what I say. It's not what your friends or family say. It's what God's word says. And if his word says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But we don't have to, we don't have to go through that. Again, in verse 11, it says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. We've got to look at it as how many, how many warnings does God have to give us through, through his word, through people, through situations, before we really open our eyes and say, you know what? I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to finish strong. And one last verse I want to leave us with is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. You might look at this and say, man, this is, it's a lot. But all, all of these things can be changed with just one decision. One decision in believing in your heart that Christ raised from the dead and he saved you and all the things you struggle with, all the problems you may have will be wiped away. And you got to remember that when we talk about that blessed hope, it's a good thing. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this time that you have brought us together this evening, Lord God. We know that it is not by accident. We know that you have a plan for each and every one of us in this place, Lord Jesus. And I pray that you will just begin to speak to hearts in this place, Lord God. I remember when I was even sitting in this place right now when and you were speaking to me and telling me that there is, there is a hope. There is a blessed hope. That there is an opportunity to escape the things that are coming, Lord Jesus. You spoke to my heart, Lord, and you told me, you have to give me everything. 
told me you have to give me everything. And when I made that decision, Lord God, you went with me. Lord God, let everybody in this place know that you will never leave us nor forsake us. That we can try to fix things and get things right in our lives, in our own strength, but it'll never work. It'll never work till we submit and till we surrender to you and get an understanding that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and your ways are higher than our ways, Lord Jesus. That you have something in store for us that we can't even imagine, Lord God. And Lord God, your word says as as on earth as it is in heaven, Lord Jesus. So the things that you have in store for us, Lord God, we'll see it on this earth, whether it's through good health, peace of mind, an unspeakable joy, all the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. I just pray that everybody in this place will understand that, Lord God. And as we're praying, Lord Jesus, if there's anybody in this place that doesn't know you, if there's anybody in this place who if they were to breathe their last breath this evening, they're not sure where they would spend eternity. Maybe you're here tonight and some of the verses we read, you couldn't always check everything off your checklist because those are some of the things you struggle with and that's okay. That's why we're here. There's nobody in here who's perfect. But if there's anybody in this place tonight who wants to choose to give their lives to Christ and be saved, I'd just like you to raise your hand. I wanna pray with you. God bless you, I see your hand. If there's anybody else in this place, all eyes are closed, reverent to the Lord. And maybe you're in this place and, and you know these things. You, you were walking with Jesus and things in life happened and we kind of went back to our old ways and it's, and it's always a slow fade. It's, it's one thing here and then one thing there and the next thing we know, we know we're not walking with God. And the enemy will tell us that you're too messed up. God doesn't have any more faith in you. God doesn't love you. But those are lies of the enemy. God is calling you back this evening. And if you want to come back, I just ask that you just raise your hand. I'd like to pray for you as well. And as we stand to our feet, if you raise your hand, I'd like for you to come forward and so I can pray with you. We can all pray with you. And we've seen God move in miraculous ways in this place. As, as we were saying earlier about looking to the person to your right, looking to the person to your left and saying, I'm glad to see you. If you could really have a conversation with some of the people to your left and to your right, you'd be amazed at the things that God has done in their lives. I know if this was, if this was five years ago, not only would I not be up here, but I wouldn't be in this place, be doing completely different things. I'd have a completely different mindset. And that's a lot of us, but we all came to that point where we said, Jesus, I want you to take control. So with that being said, I saw hands raised. If you can just come out to the nearest aisle and come forward, I'd like to pray with you. It's not to embarrass you. The Bible says that if you confess me before man, I'll confess you before my father that's in heaven. Amen. Amen. God bless you.
at this time we could all find a place at the altar, take some time to pray and really just just seek God. I know there's there's different things in our lives he might have been speaking to us on. I know there's things in my life as well. And let's just go to the Lord and pray.